Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. I'm excited that we're worshiping God. We're in its presence. The Lord's going to do something great today in your life. I'm excited because today is not just Father's Day, but it's a day where we have a great guest speaker from Los Angeles, California. He's a friend of mine. His name is Julian Lowe. He pastors a church called Oasis. Uh, him and his wife, Christina, are incredible people, uh, great friends of Janelle and I, and uh, I'm excited that he's here this morning. So do me a favor. Before you get too comfortable, stand up. Let's honor who's bringing the word this morning, Pastor Julian Lowe. Love you, too. While you're at it, go ahead and clap for Jesus, and it better be a lot louder. Come on now. Y'all can sit down, man. I don't need to be honored, man. Just, I'm, I'm just your black brother from Los Angeles. You know, when I'm in town, I'm just the, the homie from Los Angeles, that, that cousin that comes in town on Father's Day, man. And I'm grateful to be here, man. I really uh, love your pastors. And it's important that I tell you that I'm not a traveling speaker. Like I don't go everywhere and travel everywhere. If I show up somewhere, it's because of main two reasons. One, I have some type of connection or relationship with the pastors. And number two, I believe in what God is doing. It's the only reason that'll get me on a plane. So if I'm here, just know there's something special about you and this church and your pastors. So show some love to pastors Daniel and Janelle. I would do anything for them. Uh, we love them. We love their whole family. And uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of what God is doing here, even in this small way. And when I get on a plane and come somewhere, usually I feel this weight of trying to make sure that uh, I help people encounter God in a, in a, in a fresh way. Um, and I'm never expecting to encounter God. And maybe that should shift because uh, on Friday night, um, I encountered God uh, in a special way. How many people were at the men's event on Friday night? Okay. Uh, and although I encountered God there, that's not what I'm talking about. On the way home, my brother Chris Martinez said, are you hungry? I said, I could eat. And I said, I'm going to go back to the hotel and get some fajitas. He said, you don't want no hotel fajitas. That man has wisdom. He says, we got to go get some fajitas from a real fajita place. But then we looked at the clock and it was 10 o'clock at night. And I was thinking, we're going to play golf early in the morning. So by the time I get some, some fajitas from a restaurant, I'm not going to get home till 1130 at night. Then I'm going to be tired in the morning. We can't have that. And we're driving down the street, and all of a sudden, I see in and out to the right. And I just felt the, the Holy Spirit say, I have something better for you, son. <laughs> so we kept driving, and I said, what about Whataburger? <laughs> Y'all, we pull up in the drive-thru, and the first thing I saw was the patty melt. <laughs> the cheese had been melted by the fire of God himself. But I didn't feel led to get the patty melt. I got the sweet and spicy bacon burger. And let me tell you something. I feel like if nothing else, you don't get anything else out of this message. I've been sitting here by God to tell you what a burger is better than In-N-Out. Somebody shout. Oh, you better shout. Come on, Texans. You better shout to the Lord. You remember that worship song? Oh, what a savior. Remember that? I was at home, I was in the hotel singing, oh, what a burger, isn't it wonderful, sing hallelujah, I hate in and out. <laughs> and that's from California, so when I go back home, I'm a, you're going to see a series, I'm going to post about this if you follow me on Instagram, I need to let the people know, because California needs to be walking in truth. Yes. There's enough deception as it is in California. And so I'm, I'm, I'm becoming Texan. I want to buy a gun when I get home. I love Whataburger, and I hate liberals. Some shout amen <laughs> to the Lord. They're never going to invite me back. But if you have your Bibles, I do want to encourage somebody. Turn to 2 Chronicles uh, 7, verses 1 through 11. 
They gave me a black preacher napkin over here, so even if I'm not sweating, I'm just going to go, somebody shout to the Lord. Uh, we're going to give you a little context from this passage of scripture. This takes place, uh, Solomon is David's son. And David, um, uh, like I don't have time to go into all of it, but David, um, I'm giving you the, the, the hood version of the Bible. I'm going to write my own version of the Bible one day. It's called the, 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 uh, the HTV, the hood translation version. And so I'm going to give it to you in that version. So David got caught slipping. He stood on his balcony and saw a girl and he got caught slipping and he said, he texted her, come through, um, I'm here. And she came through and he, 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 he had, uh, uh, he slept with her and uh, she became his baby's mama. They went on the Mari Povich show and, and Mari Povich said, David, you are the father. Can you imagine reading the Bible translation like this? Wouldn't it make you read your Bible even more? I would read it. So Mari Povich says, you are the father. And, and all of a sudden, he comes up with this big plan, and he tries to, you know, get around it, and a bunch of stuff happens, and the, the, the child ends up actually passing away, and then uh, he, the Bible says that David, uh, uh, his new wife, Bathsheba, was sad, so David comforted her, and sometimes the only way men know how to comfort her, and then she got pregnant again, and this baby, Solomon, and we're taking a message about Solomon. Now, what's crazy is David made a horrible choice. Solomon is in the lineage of Jesus, and Solomon is now building the first extravagant temple for God. And, and another thing I want to point out to you, just to give you a little bit of context we're about to read, is that David actually wanted to build the temple. And God told David, Solomon's dad, it's good that you want to build the temple, but you are a man of war, and your son will be a man of peace. And when you want to do something for God uh, that has to do with this temple and his church, we, we better figure out how to be people of peace. Because oftentimes when we're people of war, always looking for, for, for conflict. I used to be like that coming from San Bernardino, man. Like when I used to blow out my birthday candles for years. You know, you make a wish when you blow out your birthday candles. I used to wish, every time I blew out my birthday candle, my wish was, I wish somebody would. That was my wish when I blew out my birthday candle every year. I wish somebody would. Anybody else like that? You always looking for a fight always looking for a battle, but in order to build a church, we have to be people of peace. And there is a time to fight, but sometimes that's our only way we know to get what God has for us is fighting and arguing and bickering even with each other, but Solomon was a man of peace. So the Bible says Solomon built this extravagant temple, and we are going to pick up in verse 1 where Solomon and the people are dedicating this temple to the Lord. And it says this, when Solomon finished praying, Fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. When Solomon finished praying, fire from heaven came and burned the offerings. Throughout scripture, no one can find a bigger offering given than in this moment. Uh, maybe throughout the history of the church, we are witnessing the biggest offering ever given, ever. They brought thousands of cattle, tens of thousands of cattle, sheep, and goats. And the Bible says that God was so pleased that the people had given so much that fire flashed down from heaven and burned it up. And you might be looking at that verse thinking, man, that's cool. But as a pastor, let me just give you what actually happened. Let's say Grace Avenue Church said, we're going to have a bring your best Sunday and everybody bring your best offering or back at home at Oasis Church. Everybody brings an offering and lays it before the altar and it's millions and millions, maybe even billions of dollars. And I'm sitting up here with tears flowing down my face. Look at all the Lord has done through the generosity of the people. And all of a sudden it becomes so acutely aware that God is pleased with the offering. That fire flashes down from heaven and burns up the millions of dollars. I don't know about you, but if that was me in my church, I'd be like <laughs> slapping my jacket around trying to put out $100 bills. But God was doing something that I want us to catch. In the largest offering ever given, God supernaturally sent a fire to show the people that the money was not the point. He burned it up before his presence. Can you imagine? You made a sacrifice and God supernaturally shows you he doesn't need the money. 
So we already learn here that giving in a, in a church or temple context is not about God needing money. It's about our heart. If it goes on and it says that the, the glorious presence filled the temple. Now, uh, my brother Courtney, man, leading worship and the whole worship team, these people are anointed. Uh, just so you know, y'all got some real worship leaders. Real worship leaders. They're so good. Uh, I haven't shared this with Pastor Daniel and, and Janelle, but I've actually cut them all big checks and they're all flying home with me back to L.A. to lead worship in our church. So you guys are going to be a little bit bare bones. It's going to be acoustic next week because I've already cut a side deal with all the, the worship team. But no, these guys are crazy, guys and girls. They're amazing. And most of the time when we encounter God's glorious presence, it's because of a worship leader or a preacher. Matter of fact, um, that's typically if someone says, man, God's presence was strong, was strong, they're talking about the worship or the word, the worship or the word. But in this context, what brought in God's presence was not the word of the preacher or the worship of the musicians. What God in, brought in God's presence was the sacrifice of the people. And I have got on a plane from L.A. to tell all of y'all that God is getting ready to do something absolutely insane and crazy in your life. But it's not just going to be because of Pastor Daniel and Janelle's words or your worship team's music and worship. It's going to be the sacrifice of the people. And as we sacrifice all things to God, God is going to go absolutely crazy and release his glory in your life. Now, what is glory? Glory is a big church word that simply means the weight of God's goodness. When, when Moses in Exodus 33, he asked God, show me your glory. What did God say? I will let all my goodness pass before you. So God's glory isn't an emotion. It isn't tears in service. It's you getting a revelation of God's goodness in your life. And here is most of the revelation that people walk in if they don't have God in their life. You know what it is? It's they think they're good when they're bad, or they think they're bad and they have the need to fix it. So you don't want a revelation about your goodness, and you definitely don't want a revelation about your badness. You need a revelation about the goodness of God, his glory in your life. And the Bible says God can be so good to you that it can feel weighty. Anybody ever pray for something? You prayed to get married? Anybody ever pray for something? And then all of a sudden you find yourself praying about the thing you prayed for. Lord, I'm single. I'm praying to get in a relationship. Then you get married and you're like, Lord, if you don't do something about them, I'm going to lose it. Or you pray for money and then you pray about what to do with it. Or you pray for blessing. You pray for the promotion, and all of a sudden you have employees who aren't listening, and you have this weight and pressure. You used to pray for it, now you got to pray about it. You are experiencing the weight of God's glory and goodness in your life. And you know how God prepares you to handle the weight of his goodness? The weight of challenges and problems. It says this light and momentary troubles prepare you for an eternal weight of God's glory. So here is how I know God is bringing you good things through his glory, is that you're going through difficult things. It's how he works you out. Anybody go to the gym? I mean, Brother Rob, you do definitely go to the gym. Brother Rob, the more in shape you want to get, the more weight you put on. That's how you, and it rips the muscles, and when the muscles are repaired, they're stronger than they were before. God is doing that in the spirit. He's sending us challenges and trials because he's getting us ready to, to carry the weight of all the good things. Is anybody believing for some good things in our life? The sacrifice released the good thing. Can I tell you something? Our... Our faith started with a man by the name of Abraham. And God promised Abraham that he would uh, make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. So you think about a, a man getting a promise from God. And, and what God promises the man is descendants, generations that would worship and follow God. 
If we were in God's presence, we might not want God to promise us generations. But I tell you, if you follow God and you are people of faith, the greatest promise that God could ever fulfill to Grace Avenue is generations of people 100 years from now still worshiping God, still coming to the theological center. 150 years from now, all of us are dead and gone worshiping in heaven, and we have released something here and right now that lasts for generations. And the Bible says that when, when Abraham found out this promise, right, he, he, he built an altar and had a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and vultures showed up in this passage of scripture and tried to take away his sacrifice. And the Bible says vultures had to, sh he had to shoo away the vultures from the sacrifice. The enemy's going to send you vultures that make you feel like you're doing too much for your spouse you're doing too much for your kids, you're doing too much for your church, you're being manipulated, and if you're going to get God's goodness to be released in your life in every space, I don't care if it's spiritual, practical, financial, you're gonna have to shoo away the vultures from your sacrifice. That cousin that hasn't been in church since 1992. Snoop was working on his first album the last time they went to church. And those are the main people that are trying to tell you you're doing too much for God. Why don't you take a seat? That is the time where you don't call him a vulture, but in your spirit, you're like, get away from my sacrifice. Because it is my sacrifice that's going to release the goodness of God in my life. It's going to take sacrifice. Everything good takes sacrifice. Children take sacrifice. The sacrifices I have had to make for my kids and my family. I was telling Pastor Daniel, man, my son is no joke. He was three years old one time. I sent him to his room because he got in trouble. He poked his head out the room and said, it was on a Sunday, poked his head out the room and said, by the way, I didn't like your sermon today. And poked his head back in the room. Tried to hit, hit me where it hurts. He was three years old. Cold as ice, man. Just, and then didn't, didn't wait for my response. By the way, I don't like your sermon. Head disappeared back into the room. Sacrifices I make for that boy. It says that they made a sacrifice. Now watch this. When all the people saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped the pra and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. What's happening, y'all? The glory of the Lord is filling the temple because of their sacrifice. And what do they say? He is good. They're getting a revelation of his goodness. His faithful love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle and, and 120,000 sheep and goats. What is going on? The, the Lord has burned up the first sacrifice, and now they're giving another offering to replace the offering the Lord burned up. These people understand the principle of sacrifice. And if you're going to be blessed, you got to understand the principle of sacrifice. Verse 6 says, and then the priests took their assigned positions. The priests took their assigned positions. In the New Testament, according to Scripture, who are the priests? Who are the ministers? It's all of us together. It's not just Pastor Julian. It's not just Pastor Daniel and Pastor Janelle and, 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 and all the other pastors here. Pastor, you know, it's not Pastor T.D. Jakes and all your favorite pastors. It's you. You are a pastor as well. You are a minister as well. Not the title, the position. You have to raise people up in the knowledge of the Lord. You have to pray for people. You, if you want God's goodness in your life, you have to get in position. Any football fans in here? Dallas Cowboys? Wow. Houston Texans? I mean, what other football teams? Texas A&M? Wow. Like, the Texans are hard on their sports teams, man. I'm... Jeez, this is no love. Well, if you are a quarterback, my son is playing quarterback for his team, and he's never played quarterback before, and what the coach is trying to teach my son is not to throw to a person, but to throw to a position. The wide receiver runs a route, and the route is designed to get the wide receiver in the position that the quarterback is throwing to. 
The quarterback calls the play. The play is designed for the wide receiver to run the route. And if the wide receiver runs the route, he will be in the position by the time the quarterback throws the ball to the position. Now, if you follow football, the wide receiver has someone that is trying to stop them, an enemy, if you will, and that is a defensive back. And the defensive back main job is to keep the wide receiver away from the position that the wide receiver is supposed to be in because when the quarterback throws the ball, if the wide receiver is not in the position, then what usually happens is an interception and now what was meant for the wide receiver goes to someone else because the wide receiver was out of position. Some of us are not getting all that God has for us, not because God is mean, not because God is bad, not because God doesn't love you, but God gave that promotion to a position, not a person, and the enemy kept you out of position, and therefore you're not in your purpose because you're not in your position. I want to prophesy to Grace Avenue Church that he is asking each and every one of you, if you are praying for the good things of God, if you are believing for the good things of God, if you're believing for all these amazing things to happen in your life, I would beg you if I could get into position. Get into position. It's a humble thing to get in position because some of us are turning to the quarterback Jesus and go, why should I have to get in position? If you're good, give me the ball right here. Well, guess what? The enemy knows if you stand in one spot where it's coming to. But if you move and get in position and you get people around you and watch this, when you catch the ball, if you're going to score, you're going to need some community to block for you. I feel like preaching up it. I feel like preaching today. Somebody give a shout to the Lord while I wipe the sweat off my forehead. I'm not even sweating. It's just something black preachers do. Man, they know me well. We going to get chicken after this or not? Like, listen, man, ain't no, I'm going to keep it real, man. Ain't no stereotypes in here. I'm going to wipe the sweat. I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to go get some Popeyes. <laughs> listen, man, don't be giving me that vegan stuff. I'm a Texan. I'm an honorary Texan. I'm going to go home and buy a truck and put a rifle in the cab. I'm a Texan. Oh. I'm not from California anymore. I'm from Texas. Somebody say, yeehaw, you went too far. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't say a horse. You went too far. I didn't say I was a white Texan. I'm still a black Texan. Don't get it twisted. There ain't no yeehaw around here. There ain't no line dancing. I'll crip walk to the truck. Just like, ain't no line dancing. I ain't there yet. So, yeehaw. Come on, brother. I'm a black Texan. Don't get it twisted. Where was I? Oh! They got in position. So, so, think about this. Right when you're getting ready to get something amazing happening to, for you, you get out of position for a lot of reasons. I'm tired. Let me get out of position. I'm frustrated. Let me get out of position. I'm offended. Let me get out of position. And next thing you know, God, where are you? I thought you said you would do this. I didn't say I would do it for you. I'm doing it for the person who's willing to be in that position. You get in your assigned, and by the way, it's not a chosen position. It's an assigned position. I completely disagree with people serving and giving where they feel gifted or where they want to. It's not, you don't choose the position. It's an assigned position. I am a pastor, not because it was my dream to be a pastor, it's my assigned position. And God has blessed me with so much in my life because I was in the position of a blessed person. Anybody from this day forward saying, you know what, I got a revelation, I'm getting in position. A church member gets in a seat. A church priest gets in position. We are not here to spectate. We're not here to watch. We're here to participate. They got in their positions. And it says they accompanied the singing with music from the instruments King David had made for praising the Lord. Across from the Levites, the priests blew the trumpets while all of Israel stood. All of Israel stood. This is uh, so, so powerful. And the Bible says that... Um, 
they, oh, I lost my place. But the Bible says that they got in position. So I want you to track with me. This is so important that they made sacrifices to the Lord. So if you write down nothing else, this is a season to shoo the vultures away from your sacrifice. And number two, this is the season to get in position. Because if you are out of position at the exact moment where God releases what you've been praying for, interception, pick six, it's going the other way. God needs you to be in position. But if you keep going, it says Solomon then consecrated the, uh, the central area of the courtyard from the Lord's temple. And it says he offered burnt offerings and the fat of peace offerings um, uh, there because the bronze altar had, not, uh, had been built could not hold all the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sac sacrificial fat. And it says, for the next seven days, Solomon and all of Israel celebrated the festival of shelters. Are you tracking with me? Shoo the vultures away from your sacrifice. Get in position and listen to this verse in number eight. They were celebrating the festival of shelters. The festival of shelters was a celebration where they would go live in tents in the wilderness. Even though they had made it to the promised land, they were going to tents in the wilderness so that uh, they could remember all that God has done. The Jewish culture was celebrating all that God has done. Now they, they don't they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and the Jewish faith, our brothers and sisters, are still blessed just because they remember all that God has done. If I'm being honest, Christians, specifically California Christians sometimes, they can be so focused on what they want God to do, they forget all that God has done and they're not humble enough to remember the faithfulness of God. So the festival of shelters is they moved everybody back if you have a great marriage, it's like for a week, you move back with your crazy ex, and then you come home and you're grateful for your spouse because you had to spend a week with your crazy ex. Anybody, if they spent a week with their crazy ex, they'd be grateful for who they married today. Somebody shout to the Lord. Or what is a new, a good neighborhood? What is it in uh, San Antonio? What is it? Stone Oak. If you got a house in Stone Oak, San Antonio, and you just live in the dream, God would make you move back to the south side for one week to remind you that it wasn't your work ethic. It wasn't you. God brought you to Stone Oak. So let me move you back to the south side so when you go back to the north side, you remember who brought you there. And if you're really a Christian, you'll go back to the south side and tell people the God who can bring them to the north side. And if you're really a Christian, they won't need to move to the north side because you, through grace and love, will turn the south side into the north side. That is the calling of the church. That is the calling of the church. And so you have this dynamic where I'm going to give you three things that are wildly important. Thing number one, you are going to have to shoot the vultures from your sacrifice. And the enemy is going to tempt you when, in one primary way. You are going to start to realize that people aren't grateful for everything that you do. Somebody's like, you better preach that. I'm going to need you to stay on to that point. Don't elbow nobody that you're sitting next to. You're going to start to get a revelation. One of the main vultures that the enemy will send to you is a revelation that people aren't grateful. You've been at church for two and a half hours in that San Antonio heat. It doesn't hit you in February that people aren't grateful. But when you're greeting at the door and the sweat is dripping down, and leaders such and such and pastors such and such doesn't say hi. They, they, you say, all I do for the church. And you cannot walk in God's favor when you think you're doing God a favor. No, my worship is to the Lord. Such and such. You go on the men's night. You've been serving. And nobody saved you an ice cream sandwich. Like everything I did, I protected the church. I opened the door. And they know I don't like the M&M cookies. They know I like the snickerdoodle. And nobody saved me a snickerdoodle. First of all, you're a grown man. <laughs> Saying the word snickerdoodle, the Lord's got to do something in your heart anyway. That ain't the Texan way. We don't eat snickerdoodles. We eat cookies with, with just 
grounded up bullets in them. Like, I, <laughs> just grind up bullets and put it in my cookie. I'm a Texan. Putting no chocolate chips in my cookie. I'm a man. Sorry, guys. I'm still figuring out how to be a Texan. I'm new. No yeehaw. Remember, black Texan. But you know what I mean? Like, you start to get, like, people aren't grateful, and that's a vulture. People don't appreciate you is a vulture. People don't understand you is a vulture. People don't get you is a vulture. Unforgiveness is a vulture because they're designed to get you to stop doing the thing that began with you doing that for God, but because people don't appreciate it, you'll stop doing it for God, and God was not on the cross going, these people don't get it, let me get down. He was spit on, nobody appreciated what he was doing, and he went through with the sacrifice because he knew that God's presence and God's goodness would be available to others through his sacrifice. I would just challenge the church that it is the sacrifices we make for people who are not aligned with God's word that's going to release his goodness into their lives. It's the sacrifices that people made for me that brought me to Jesus. And so shoo the vultures away from his sacrifice. And number two, we learn that the priests took their assigned positions. I, I hope that you would be convicted by the Lord to no longer attend Grace Avenue Church. Because if you attend long enough out of position, you will eventually feel like you need a new church. Because churches only last for so long for people who are not in position. And I mean every single person has an assigned position and an assigned blessing that God will give them if they get in position. And that position is rarely something you would do without God speaking to you to do it. So this is not something that I can get up here and say, well, what is my position? You have to seek the Lord until you find it. And where it starts is anywhere there's a need. Anybody want to do something? The Bible says if you don't take care of what belongs to another man, who will give you what is your own? It's you learn to steward what belongs to other people, but you're going to have to get in position. And the third thing is please if I, remember all that God has done. We can get so focused on what he isn't doing. We can do that with people. Some of our marriage problems, we forget that this person has been good to us. In this season that we're in right now where we want them to do this, we want them to be more helpful around the house. We want them to not golf so much. I get it, right? And, and, and you forget what this person is doing because you're focused on what you need them to do. So we want to be honest about where we're going. We want to be able to see prophetically an amazing future, meaning that prophetically means God revealed it, not our sinful desires want it. So sometimes it's the same thing. But if you go off desire and not off a word, in this season, you're going to need faith. But because you didn't get a word, you have no faith. And it is faith that takes a hold of what God has for you and humility that reflects on what God's done for you. So with faith and humility, we seek the things of God and we remember all that God has done. If you did these three things, I'm telling you what God would do would be unprecedented in the church. I want to invite the worship team to, to come up because this message has been a journey for me in the sense that when you, when you speak somewhere, you, you want to share something that encourages people. You want to share something that excites people. And specifically in LA, you can build a church lying to people or telling people half-truths, that God's gonna do all these things for you and you don't have to do anything. No. God actually speaks something over your life and then he turns you into the person who can handle what he spoke. So when he says it to you, he says it to the you that could never do what God said. But he promises it over you and then you go on a season of transformation where he turns you into the person that can handle the good thing that he said. And if you reject the transformation, you also reject the promise. God wants to change you. And here's what's amazing about God. He doesn't want to change you because he doesn't like you. He's preparing you. He's training you. He's maturing you. Hebrews 9 verses 13 through 14 says this. This is the old system of sacrifice. Under the old system, 
The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of, Je of Christ, of Jesus, will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. I know we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, but listen to this verse. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So what Jesus did is he was a walking and talking sacrifice. And he sacrificed himself because the old system said that someone or something must die where there's sin. And so once you sinned, that person was supposed to be you. But Jesus said, I'm not letting you go out like that. I came that you may have life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the sacrifice in your place. I'm going to give up my life so you can keep yours. With nails in his hands and nails in his feet, but with you in his heart, he stayed on the cross so that thousands of years later, on a balmy, hot San Antonio Sunday, somebody in this room would encounter the love of God. God had you in his heart thousands and thousands of years ago. Whether or not you believe in Jesus, if I told you and I held up right now a vial of Jesus' blood, whether or not you believe in Jesus, there isn't a collector in the world. If we could authenticate that it was actually the blood of Jesus, there isn't a collector in the world that wouldn't say that that is absolutely priceless. But the Bible says that Jesus shed all of that blood for you. So if the vial of Jesus' blood is priceless, how valuable does God think you are if he got rid of all of it for you? For you. For you. And so to achieve these things that God has, we're going to need his spirit. And to get his spirit, we're going to need faith. And to get faith, we're going to need confession that says we have sinned before God and we need the sacrifice. We need to believe that it was true, that you were worth it to God to die for. So I'm going to ask this question today. I'm going to pray for two groups of people. Number one, does somebody, the Bible says we're made in the image of God. Don't listen to me. If we're made in the image of God, you've been given this spiritual part of you that the Holy Spirit is awakening right now that is telling you what I'm telling you is the truth. You're not listening to me, you're listening to that spiritual DNA that everyone in this room has that say that is the truth. I need to give my life to the Lord. And if that is you and you need to receive the loving sacrifice of Jesus for the first time, I'm not talking about did you grow up in church. I'm not talking about did you grow in church. I'm talking about did you receive the sacrifice of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to be bold. Come on, we're Texans. Be bold and lift your hands to the heavens if you're saying, I need to give my life to the Lord. There's something about this that shows that you're telling me the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to stand up to your feet. And if you're one of those people that said, man, I've been sacrificing and I don't feel like people are grateful. I need to shoo the vultures away from my sacrifice or, or I need to take my assigned position in the house of God and maybe in my place of work, do what God's calling me to do or I need to remember all that God has done. I'm frustrated because I'm in a season of waiting and I've forgotten all the Lord has done for me. If one of those three uh, categories makes sense to you and you want to receive prayer, just lift your hands to the heavens. Lift your hands. Thank you, Holy Spirit. My brother, I don't normally do this, but as we pray, I want you to come here. I don't normally do this. I want you to come here with the hat on backwards. I want you to come here. Yes, brother. I want you to come here. Hey. What is your name? Ian. Ian. Um, do you have no reason to feel guilty? One of the first things that the Lord does in a relationship with Jesus is to remove guilt. And, 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 and I just feel the weight of guilt on your life, like you think you're a bad person. And Jesus is telling you, I'm removing your guilt and I'm removing your shame. And if you give your life to Jesus, it's not the old you getting better. 
It's a brand new you in your place. And you've been through a lot and you've medicated a lot of your pain, but this sense of pain that you're feeling, the Holy Spirit is healing that pain. I don't know what it is, but I, I saw you um, uh, just playing with a soccer ball. I don't know if you've uh, ever played the sport soccer, but I saw you playing with a soccer ball. You play soccer at all? Because this is, you used to, when? When you were in elementary school, did you play soccer like on a team? Um, a church team. Um, and something happened and you said, I'm never playing soccer again. And I don't know if it's an encounter with a coach or somebody or it's just conflict. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, here's the dangerous thing about you really good at soccer and then you got frustrated with other people and you stopped doing something God was asking you to do. And just like that soccer team, um, the reason why the Lord showed me that is that you're going to do so much for God and your temptation is that other people aren't going to do what you think you're doing and you're going to walk away from something, right, because of what other people are doing or you don't feel like you have enough help. But God said, I'm your ever-present help. Let me help you. Let me take this from you. Jesus, we thank you for this incredible man of God, Holy Spirit heal this man and everything that's happened in his heart the, the the spirit of the lord is on you to bring good news to the poor you will preach the message of the gospel you will lead people to christ and revival's happening with young adults through your faith so he's asking you to let go of every single amount of pain every single amount of unforgiveness forgive everyone who's ever hurt you because god is forgiving you right now holy spirit fill this young man with your presence and your love right now in the name of Jesus we pray come on somebody shout amen shout amen we shout amen we thank you Jesus come on give God a great big shout of praise if you believe right now that God is doing something different that God is doing something new the Bible says let us exalt the name of the Lord together I wonder if 50 people come on 50 Texans will be willing to shout praises to the Lord the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you, Jesus, for transformation. We thank you, Jesus, for the things you're doing in our city. We thank you, Jesus, for Grace Avenue. We will get in our assigned positions. We will sacrifice unto the Lord. And we believe that the glory of the Lord, the goodness of God will prevail in every single thing we do. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody give God one minute of the craziest praise. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You got a line inside of those. What is it? Get up and praise the Lord. Sing, come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. What is it?
pray for just two more people. I just feel so strong. You are a worshiper and you have an absolutely beautiful voice. And um, I felt like I was just supposed to encourage you not to compare your voice to other people, but you can actually sing and the Lord loves to hear you sing. And I know it's like a shy thing because you don't like to sing in front of people, but um, God's going to use you for worship and song and music. And I saw you having like this little journal or a diary and you wrote like four lines of a song um, or something you wrote down and you didn't like it. So you stopped, but God loved it. And he wants you to finish that song and um, continue to write and continue to just believe that um, no matter how you think your voice sounds like that God can use it to encourage people. Do you sing? You are so good. Do you feel like you're good? No, you are amazing. You are amazing. And I'm not saying this to embarrass you. I'm saying it to God hope because I hope it gives you something to remember. How old are you? My daughter's 10, 12. Okay, between 12 and 14, this is actually going to be stronger and stronger and stronger. And um, have you ever led worship up here before? You will. Have you ever thought about doing it one day? But it's so scary, huh? You got it. You'll do it. You have a gift that's going to bring healing to people. Okay? Now, whenever you get scared or you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Remember that crazy guy from L.A. that told me that I could do it? That's why I'm giving you this word. Because some crazy guy from L.A. stopped me and told me I could do it, okay? We can do anything. You have a beautiful voice. Beautiful thing. You're also a great artist. Um, have you ever driven a picture of a butterfly? Or like any insects or anything like that? You're a great artist as well. You can do anything. You're so creative. Um, don't be afraid of your creativity, okay? All right. Father, we just thank you for your sweet daughter. We thank you, Lord, that you are just building up her uh, courage to be able to sing, to be able to worship you. And God, we just pray she wouldn't be afraid of, of anything. She wouldn't be afraid of anything. Wouldn't be afraid of anything. Wouldn't be afraid of anything. In Jesus' name. Alright, one more person I gotta pray for. My brother with the beard, man. If I could grow a beard like that, bro, like, bro, my be your beard oil, man, must be, they must be actually anointing oil. But um, how long you been in this church? What do you say? Oh, your wife comes here. Uh, let me tell you something, man. You have a gift on your life. God is speaking to you. And in three years. Um, within three years, if you stay connected to church, you're going to be the one in your family known for faith. And you are a father to sons. And God's saying he's going to turn you into the father that maybe you didn't have. On this Father's Day, I don't know if it brings a certain a sense of pain, but I'm not saying that like, you know, every dad has their own issues. But he's turning you into a father that you didn't have. And I don't know what that means. Maybe um, your father was there or he wasn't. I'm not saying that, that your father wasn't, but I'm saying you're going to... You've never seen a father like the one God is going to make you. And it's going to be strong enough to father not only your own children, but fathers in the house. And he's saying to you that um, you're feeling this sense of it's time. And I know you came to church on Father's Day, but you're feeling this sense that it's time. And it is. You got to sell out, give your whole life to the Lord. And all these dreams that you have on the side, I feel like whether it's a business or whether these things, it's all going to come together. And God's going to give you young sons who don't have fathers in their life. And you're going to think that the young sons are there to help you build the business, but they're there to encourage you. I don't know if it's construction or it's some type of thing that you're doing where um, he's going to give you whole neighborhoods to redo. I don't know what that means to you, but the young sons are going to help you. And you think they're there to work for you. They're there to receive your fatherly wisdom. Now is the time, my brother, to commit yourself to God and his church like never before. I will come back here in a couple of years and you'll be running around here leading men in the presence of God. God's spirit is on you. He's been with you ever since you were a little kid and he has not given up on you. And other people may give up on you, but God will never, never will. You're his son and he loves you. And by the way, he is proud of you. I don't know if anybody else has told you they're proud of you, but God is proud of you. 
God is doing awesome things. He loves you. Commit yourself to the house of God and watch what he does in this next 18 months. We love you. All right, I got to get out of here, man. Don't listen. Give me that violin, man. I feel the anointing. I don't play the violin. Okay, one more person. Um, with the denim jacket right here. Yeah, you. Um, you're a teacher. Um, not as a profession. Do you, are you a teacher? Um, but you are a teacher. You can teach people things. You can teach people things. And whenever you're a teacher, people always don't honor your voice. So I feel like certain things you'll tell people and they don't listen or like somebody doesn't ask you questions or you, you just in this season where I wish that someone would like respect what I have to say. And, and God is saying to you that your teaching gift is not designed for you to find a fault in someone and use your teaching gift to fix it. You're finding the good in someone and using your teaching gift to lead them there. And the reason why is because you've been criticized a lot in your life. Like people were critical of you growing up. And so you're hard on yourself. And, and God is saying, that's not what I want. I'm grateful for because that brought you here, but it's grace that's gonna bring you to the next season. Receiving God's grace, giving God's grace, and that criticism that you've been under your whole life, God is removing and he's affirming you every morning. And he's telling you that you're awesome. And he's telling you that you're proud of you. And from that, you're gonna teach so many people so many good things in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we worship the Lord one more time? We thank you, Lord. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or wanna know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.